Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? We're coming to you the morning after another Sounders win. Uh, the second of three road games this week. Uh, beat Portland on Sunday. We'll talk about that. Beat FC Dallas in Dallas or Frisco um, last night. Great win. Terrible game. Great win. And then Columbus Crew this weekend. So the three road games stretch here it's going very well so far so we'll get into that um portland probably is more interesting game so we'll get to that so let's just quickly get the fc dallas one out of the way i think honestly the only highlight was the fact that Rui Diaz came on and scored within 20 seconds and nico gave him the assist he won't get the assist officially but was involved in a goal so inspired subs by brian schmetzer Aside from that, not much in the game at all. Felt bad for Wolverine that he didn't get the goal. You know, was offside by an elbow, give or take. Um, we did the game. We all three were there at the stadium doing the game. Um, thoughts? At Dallas, we talked about it before. <laughs> I, I don't think there's ever been a beautiful game played. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the only thing that matters is, is the result on that one, right? Um, I think... We always talk about the flip side is if the team didn't play well, we're going to dissect them and be like, oh, the team's got to play better and, and keep the ball and, you know, try to impose their game if they lose. Right. But if they win, it's like, OK, we went down there, we grinded a result and it's a three game road trip yet again. We've had I think this is like the third or fourth time we've had these three game road trips in a week. And um, anytime you're on the right side of a result, things um you know, in the press, I think Schmetz does a good job of, you know, saying we can be better, da 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 But I know that he, like he said after that Portland game, is he's going to go watch video to see what the team needs to do better and how they can get better because he knows you have to play well on the road in the playoffs to win a championship most of the time. Sometimes you can go in and sit back like we did in 2016 and, and um, you know, kind of absorb, absorb, and then hopefully wait for a counterattack, things like that. But to be a successful team like 2019 is you got to do well on the road. Um, I normally we would say who's the man of the match. There was no man of the match. Like it was that drab of a game. There were moments in the first half where we kept the ball side to side. Um, and I think if we would have done that consistently through the first half, we would have said, okay, we're maintaining possession. We're imposing our will, but then the game kind of got away from the guys and you see Shane throw up his hands multiple times, like stop playing me the ball, right? Stop giving me the ball because I don't, why would you want me to have the ball in Dallas when it's hot? My legs are tired. It's three guys in the back and just get it away. You guys are paid as midfielders and forwards to be creative, to make the runs and keep the ball in the attacking half. The guys got away from it a little bit, but fortunate, you know, you can make the, those subs on the road and, and get a result. So, you know, yeah. three, point, three points is three points. Yeah, I think about 30 minutes in, just on the air broadcast, Casey and I looked at each other, 
And but like this is gonna go to plan because you can see Schmetz's plan would have been keep it tight, be in the game around the 60th, 70th minute. And then I have Joao Paulo, I have Nico, I have Freddie, I have Raul. I can bring these guys on, just make sure we're in the game. And we could see, um, not to focus on them, but I was so let down by Dallas. I was feel when you're the home team like that, in a league with no relegation, like you're playing against probably the premier team in the West. Um, at home why not go for it why not they were so pedestrian and side by side and again maybe it's the heat maybe I don't know but I just didn't understand why they never and they tried to once the sounds got ahead and it was too little too late Um, I thought they left a couple of very good players on the bench Jara I think should have played Ricardo I think should have played but I don't think they offered much at all the sounds were comfortable Um, Sissoko Shane Ariaga, yes, they made a couple of blocks here and there. You know, Richie had to make a couple of saves, not anything crazy. I'm just, I'm, I'm used, I, I don't know if it's changed. When we play around back, especially but the first year, the inaugural year, almost every away game seemed like at some point we were under siege. And then Casey had to stand on his head and make five or six saves. And away games were so tough, like going anywhere, no matter who you're playing, Chicago away or this team away they'd have a spell in a game where you felt like, yeah, we're about to concede three or four goals. And we had Casey in loss, we never, but I didn't see that from FC Dallas. So they were a bit of a letdown, I felt, um, just, just in general yesterday. But for, for the South, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can say that about Dallas. I don't, I don't know if that's how they play. I've not seen much of them, but I was very surprised. Casey and I both were very surprised. They don't lose at home. I mean, this was the first time they've lost consecutive games at home since like 2013 because they lost at Can- uh, versus Kansas City before this game. And then... Since 2013? Yeah, like crazy. Something like that. It's 2013 or 2014. Right. They don't lose consecutive games at home. What is it like playing there? Like, why is it such a nightmare for you guys, like, as a player? You, you, you know what, though? I'm thinking because... Apparently, the Sounders hadn't won there since, like, 2014. But in the early years, we did well in Dallas. Like, I remember, like, there was a couple of games, maybe, I think, you know, a couple of draws, 2-2, 1-1 here. Um, we, we've won in Dallas earlier on. Again, I always thought Houston was worse, to be honest, in terms of that heat. I hated playing in Houston. Um, Dallas, I, I liked it. I think those Dallas teams back then were coached by Shellis. Shellis Heinemann, I think, it was the coach. Um, they had good players. It was always an open game. I always enjoyed playing against Dallas. Again, the weather and climate was never good, but I was shocked that the Sounders hadn't won there since like 2014 or 2015, whatever the record was, like the last 10 games. Um, it is a tough place. Colorado's tough. Salt Lake is tough. Houston's tough. Dallas is tough. And those are for non-football reasons primarily, I think. A more exciting game, the Sounders absolutely smashed Portland, which, yeah, to be fair, 6-2 score, crazy. I would not predict that at halftime. I thought it could have gone either way. You know, Timbers had their chances. Cleveland had to have a really good game. The scoreline is very dominant, but I don't think I've ever seen a game where a team scores that many good goals. Like, Freddie won't get mentioned, but this is left foot outside the box, curling into the top corner. And we're not going to talk about it because Raul's free kick, and then Madranda, which let's talk about that. You call it possibly the greatest goal in franchise history. It's up there. And it got us in the booth talking and thinking what goal could compete with it. And I can honestly think of only like two or three. And Oba definitely has a couple in there. And I'm sure Freddie has to have one or two in there. But yeah, Madranda, I, yeah. 
Tatiana's volley. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's top five for sure, without question. I'm trying to think. The only one I can think is, I like, it's a different goal, but the pass from Andy Rose to yeah. Oba against Colorado, you don't see that kind of goal. That, that's, that's absurd, what he did there. His goal against John Bush, how he got that in. Like, those, a bit of a different goal, but no, Madranga, I mean, I, I mean, have you ever, you, have either of you ever seen a game like that where a team, I mean, three or four goal of the week contenders and no. possibly a couple of goal of the years? You know what it reminded me of when I used to play softball, like I was a really, really intense softball player. And when you would play travel ball, you'd be like perfect. And then you'd have this one inning where just like everything fell apart. Mm. Like you'd make like 10 errors or just like something would just go wrong. And I have a feeling that that's kind of what happened, (laughs) but on a very larger, more professional scale where it was just because, like you said, in the first half, I felt like Portland had the upper hand for a good percentage of that first half. And then it was they had their fall apart sixth inning or whatever. And just thankfully they had it happen to them and we got a great road win against our rival. But that's just what I kept thinking about. Yeah, you, you you get a couple of those every year. It's you lose one by a significant amount, yeah. maybe even to a team that you shouldn't lose to, and then you win one that's a lopsided victory, right? Six two against Columbus at home many moons ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had a couple big victories, but not with the just like powerful goals that were scored. Yeah. Um, and to go back, yeah, Freddie had some bangers as well, right? Against Galaxy here at home, long distance yeah. from you know, 40 yards out. Those are ridiculous. But just to, just to kind of, for me, just there's something about volleying a ball that just feels so good. And you liken it to now that I'm playing tennis is like the ball bounces short and you can run up to the net and just like get behind the ball fully and just smash the ball. And it just feels so much better than, you know, hitting a forehand down the line, like a passing shot, right? Um, There's just something about hitting a full volley to me that it it has to be absolutely perfect, right? Like hitting a ball from from the turf, yes, you have to connect properly. Um, You know, Raul's ball was stationary, so you don't have to think about how the ball is moving, things like that, how to contort your body. But for a ball to be hit, you know, the field is what, 70 yards wide in Portland? Yeah. You know, that ball's coming across 40 yards and to hit it out of the air and, and, and connect like that and score is, that is just something so special that you just you really yeah. don't see all that often. Yeah. But, and to score goals on that magnitude, it's, it's great when you can do that and not play your best. Um, and I, we're still yet to see the Sounders play, you know, a uh, fantastic, fantastic game. T-Grace is probably the most complete game mm. where – they put together a real, real solid, solid performance from start to finish. But get guys healthy again, and you know it'll it'll be a dangerous team if they can click on all cylinders. Towards yeah, it. and to put, I mean, to bring that full circle, we talked to Schmetz yesterday, and you know this is two wins. Maybe it was a mini rut at some point, but the team to me looks poised. Stefan Fry's coming back, News coming back, Nico looks like he's never been away. Um, this is a very, very strong team now to finish out this last couple of months of the season. And I asked him, do you care about the support show? And before I could finish the question, he was like, yeah, you know, we care. Like, he said, I've looked at, you know, the rivals, Kansas, New England, their schedules, our schedule, kind of trying to see 
where points might be picked up or lost. And he's like, no, we really, really care. And I said to him, should the goal for this team just be just stay healthy, get into the playoffs as high speed as you can, but don't prioritize it. And he goes, no, we're going to go for the shield. Um, you guys agree with that approach? Should the, should the Sanders care about you? Should, I know, Brad, you said you don't care because it's not, the schedule isn't, the shield, yeah, it's good, but it doesn't mean much because you really don't know. I don't know how good New England is. We'll get a taste of Columbus this weekend. I sense the West is a bit better than the East, um, which has typically been the case, but I actually don't know. I don't know how good is um, New York City FC. I mean, they're killing teams, but it's in the East. So I, I was curious about that. Because you have to push to win the shield. You have to push and not rest guys and really go after it. And interesting approach, but I'm curious where you guys land on this team going for the shield. As well I as love the killer instinct. I love like having that killer instinct. And if you think about it, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Have We're having a bunch of guys coming back now and it's sort of this weird, almost like benefit because Nico doesn't have all these games under his belt. He hasn't, he doesn't have the, the burden of a whole season. He's kind of coming back just as, you know, we need to really hit our stride going into the playoffs. So but really, it comes down to just, I love the killer instinct. I think you should go for it. But I don't have to be on the field, and I'm not the one pushing. So A lot of that mentality comes from Nico as well. Like, he's going to, once yeah. he gets healthy, healthy, he's going to go 1,000% every single game from here on out, right? He's going to try and not miss any games once he gets healthy. And he is going to push that team. He had a couple quotes the other day where it's, we have to push for more, right? We have to keep pushing, and I have to go... One, we have to go 100% and play every game like it's a final, right? And that's the mentality going into the end of the season. And if it's coming from Schmetz, if it's coming from Garth and, and Nico also in the locker room, then I guess we have to follow. And our own opinions can be – this. the shield for me is – I'll say it again. Like, it doesn't mean as much. But we also know behind the shield now is – home field advantage and host yeah. MLS Cup. So that's the motivator, right? You give yourself significantly higher odds of winning another MLS Cup if you push yeah. for the shield. So that's probably the mindset. If they fall short, it's okay. And we talked about this in the past is this club will, if there's hanging fruit there to be had, they're going to shoot for it and they're going to try and grab it until it becomes out of the picture. Then we put it to the wayside. So yeah. that's always been Schmetz's mentality. That's always been the Sounders mentality. Um, you know, New England plays still New York City FC twice, I think, uh, in the next couple weeks as well. So, yeah, there's points to be had. It's only a seven-point gap. And if the Sounders play it right, get a couple more guys, if this Chew guy can be an impact player, then maybe you can rest guys and still get some serious results. So um, that'll, be, that'll be a good test. Yeah. Good test. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, two out of three so far this week. One more to come. Columbus Crew. The Sounders play there. Uh, it's Keely, you were telling me it's on Big Fox. Yes, on Fox Fox. Not <laughs> yes, Big Fox. Big Actual Fox. Actual Fox. Well, yes. Good. This Saturday afternoon, um, Sounders. I'll be watching it. I'm excited to see that one. I don't think I've seen a game at the new Crew Stadium. So obviously a lot of friends on there. For myself and Brad, connections with Columbus Crew, the Sounders go there. Um, I think we have no questions, but we have some over and unders. Yes, we do have some over unders. Um, so I was actually looking. Columbus is having a, a bit of bit trouble scoring this year. They only have twenty one. They only have yeah. twenty one goals in twenty games. Yeah. Um, so our first over under, if I can scroll to it, 
lost five in a row. Yeah. yeah, and they've lost five in a row. Yeah. yeah, they only have 21 goals in 20 games. We have 33 and 20, which is among the top of the league, so good for us. Um, so I'll round, add it up together, that's like 1.7. I'll round up or down to 1.5. Oh, so over under goals on Saturday, 1.5 total over. goals. Over. Over. Yeah, there's going to be at least four goals. In yeah, game. I think I see goals in this game, yeah. Really? Interesting. It'll be an open game, yeah, it'll be an open game, I think so. What what I'm curious what makes you say that? Okay, I know his feelings towards Seattle to an extent. He's gonna be up for it. It's national TV. Those guys will know it. Yeah. And they listen, their record's obviously terrible right now. They're a good team. I mean we saw them in the MLS Cup last year. Nagby, Zellarians are there. These are good players. Um so I think and the Sanders aren't gonna go there and sit back. I think you got your little rest in midweek. Nico's ready to go, Raul's gonna start, Jafar's gonna start. It's goals in this game. I think it's going to be goals. Yeah, and you're you're not going to see Columbus play like Dallas. No, this is going to come thank goodness. Yeah, flying out of the gates with that yeah. stadium and packed and national TV like that. Yeah, it's gonna it, it it'll be a good game. This is going to be a really fun game to watch. Yeah. All right, I'm excited. Remember, everyone, it's a two thirty two fifty five actual kickoff. It's going to be awesome. Uh, next over under. So we're going to revisit Raul Rui Diaz goals this season because he's actually on pace to become the Sounders first ever 20 goals in a single season um, guy. So that's exciting. So I put the over under at 20.5, assuming that he will hopefully um, become the first 20 goal scorer. How many games left? We played 21 games? Yeah, plenty. 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 He's going to get like eight more goals at least. Yeah, over. Yeah. He has 14 already. So. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll have a couple of braces here and there, maybe not score for a bit. Yeah, he's going to get more. Um, I, with that, though, I did think it's a bit, and Brad played on the team, and for me, I, I do think Clint or Oba would have got the 20, but I think they split. Because they I mean, were one together. One at 17, one at 15. I think if it had just been one that year, they would have got it. But I think they just split the load so much that you, I'll take one, you take one. It ended up being 17 and 15, but... Yeah, Raul's gonna be—he's gonna make history. He's gonna be the first one to get over twenty, I think for sure. 22, 23. Yeah, Steve, that's a good point. That's a very good yeah. point. I think um, Oba had seventeen that year, and Clint had fifteen. So I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, wow, those were—that was a crazy, crazy team. Um, last one, and it's another Raul uh, over under touches before Rui Diaz scores his next goal. It took him two last night. He had nine total touches. I'll be a little conservative and I'll say over under 7.5 touches before his next goal. That's hard because he doesn't touch the ball. Like, I know. It's, it was a hard one to set, too. He has like 15 touches a game. Which was, <laughs> I don't know. That's oof. He's going to touch the ball seven times before his goal. I know. I, I'm going to say over. Over. Yeah. Just. It'll be no more than 11 or 12. Yeah. I'll say under. Just yeah. because <laughs> away from home, it's he probably won't touch the ball for the first ten minutes. But yeah. with him, it's one pass and he's in. Right. Same with Austin. Yeah. I mean, how many touches did he have before that goal in, at Austin? Yeah. I feel like that's half of what our uh, producer always tells you guys in game. It's like, how many touches does Roel have so far? Three. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. He's been like all over the place and already made an impact. And he's had like three touches. He's yeah. just something else. Clint, when Clint was on the team, there was a game where I watched from the stands injured. And I, I texted Robbie and I was like, Robbie, can we see his numbers after the game? Because I'm positive he didn't sprint one time in the game. 
but he scored two goals and we won. <laughs> and it's like, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. <laughs> you can't predict these things. It's it's nearly impossible. And these guys can get away with it. How can yeah. you not have one sprint and score two goals and then roll <laughs> touch it and score goal right away? I love that. Amazing. So those are our over-unders for uh, today, guys. All right, everybody. Um, just always excited to bring in new guests and I guess guest hosts, kind of, because he wants to start his own podcast. <laughs> but former uh, soccer extraordinaire, uh, former Seahawk, Bill and many other teams kicker Steven Hauschka on the podcast talking soccer talking life the yeah. next step actually we should have had Steve on the podcast like three weeks ago when we talked about post playing career and yeah what yeah, we yeah. Do? We had a whole like what was it four four or five of us former players that are yeah. still all trying to figure it out and it was like an hour-long <laughs> round table uh, just talking about what is next? So it was a great uh, therapy session for everybody. It was good session. Yeah. Um, Steve, welcome. Obviously, um, I think we've had you on once before. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what's going on? Well, thanks for letting me stay in the airstream out back. He's um, sleeping in the airstream, guys. <laughs> it's, it's nice in there, man. Waking up to the trees. Um, yeah, good to be back in Seattle, and glad I can glad I can join and talk soccer. We were we were chatting last night. And um, it's interesting because my football career really came from my soccer career. And my soccer career really started when I was three. So a lot of what I've been processing is the fact that I started kicking soccer balls when I was three and just fell in love with it. So um, it's been a unique, unique experience the last few months, just kind of making sense of my whole football career. And really my first love was soccer. So anytime I get a chance to, to watch or, or talk soccer. I'm excited about it. I feel, I feel like people might not know, yeah, how extensive your soccer actually goes. Um, what's the, do you, was it high school? What's the highest you went? Did you play club? Like, what's the actual highest? JV soccer in college. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a shot to, I, the coach really wasn't into walk-ons for the varsity team. And, I could have probably tried to fight and get a spot on that team eventually and maybe played their junior, senior year. But uh, my, my roommates were all football players and just happened by chance that I was paired with uh, the freshman football player captain. And so I came out and kicked for them one day and just had always wanted to try it. He's like, you should come out. So I don't know. I just kind of felt like, I was way too slow to play varsity soccer too. I just, <laughs> my running legs were not there. Anyways, I figured let's try this kicking thing. And um, the rest is history. I guess I was, I was good at it in the beginning and fortunately had a kicking coach that would drive up and work with me. Uh, I learned all the basics, um, you know, and was able to kind of merge that with my talent. I didn't learn a bunch of terrible, like bad habits right away. So that was cool. Um, we've always tried to talk about like our, post playing careers and you know i think even for steve it's how many years now removed five six five, five, yeah. it's like still you know even lamar last night it's like what does the next step look like yeah. four or five six years down down the line and steve and i talked a little bit about it last night it's just like jumping into opportunities and seeing kind of what yeah it's but for you steve i think that process of you know being injured and then making a comeback 
and then just being like, okay, no, I yeah. locking it from the sideline. You're like, no, nah, I go into preseason, right. With the Sounders. And you're like, no, nah, I, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. That process after playing is it's difficult. We spoke about it on the podcast before, but trying to navigate that with, with someone as, as a friend, especially is, is difficult too. But um, what do you think right now, the process, what does it look like for you? Is it back to Seattle? Is it, you know, being back involved with the Seahawks, um, you know, just small picture stuff, right? Like not even thinking about big picture stuff, but that process. Yeah. I think it's just for us, it's been, you know, especially in the, since COVID really locked us down for a while. Since then, you know, the world seems new to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and my perspective's different too. Since going through COVID, having a second child and having, um, you know, football being finished. And so it's just like going for, for me, it's like going and experiencing these different places, Seattle, Southern California. We went to um, Costa Rica and just, you know, where do we want to spend our time? What, what types of things do we want to get involved in? And just really, it's like a tryout almost. <laughs> Preseason. <laughs> no, my family was up here for two weeks here in mid July, and we're like, "Hey, how does how does Seattle fit?" Well, of course, it fits great in the middle of July. Um, you know, I think all of our friends um, pulled out all the stops, and we were on a on. It felt like we were on a boat every night, or out to dinner. Or doing something really fun. Trying to convince him yeah. to move back like his <laughs> so, uh, I think we got to come back and visit in, in um, sometime November through March and see what that feels like yeah. for a couple yeah. of weeks. I, I'm curious because I know for Brad it was different, for me it was different. When you were playing, were you sort of just like get through the day, get through the week? Did you ever spend time while you're playing thinking about one day this would be over? What would I do? Or you're the type of player that was just like when you when you were in your career, it was just about that next game, that next training. People used to ask me all the time, and part of part of it I always felt like is you don't never know when you're going to exit. Some players are fortunate enough to choose when they, you know, they they get to go out on top exactly the way they want. Um, but most players, you kind of just, you know kind of just it's just over one day and you don't know when that is and you don't know what your life's going to look like then so I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that um and people used to always ask me and I never had an answer and I knew that there were things that I liked and I just figured I'd I'll find out what I like and what fits after I was just so focused on football I couldn't you know that carrot in front of me I just was focused on that the whole time so would you rather be a professional football player or a professional soccer player? <laughs> I mean, I love only, playing so soccer. only soccer fans I listen love, to this podcast. Yeah, I love playing soccer. <laughs> kicking was kicking is is really cool. Like when you, oh man, kicking's intense because you only come. You have like three, you know, a couple yeah. opportunities a game, and you're 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 expected to make it. Um. And so it's, it's so unique. There's not much flow in it. You have to create the flow. Whereas soccer, I always felt like it was fun to just run around and chase the ball. There's something inherently fun about that. Even when you're not, even when the, and like how exciting it is to have the ball pass to you or to make a pass to somebody and have them or to score a goal is like the best feeling in the world. And so there's some flow to that. Whereas 
kicking you're like i'm just on the sideline sitting on the bench or like walking around the sideline three you know 90 percent of the game mm. and so the the times that i am kicking in the side of the net or you know jogging out to the field like you kind of know it's important you have to block block uh like block that out but um i played in a pickup soccer game like it was the my son's school the dads played the graduating seniors and we were getting our butts kicked. <laughs> Graduate seniors were on a team that plays in CIF in Southern California. I don't know what division it is, but they were, they scored like seven, eight goals and none of the dads could run. So they were just passing circles around. <laughs> but after one of the goals they scored, um, I, I shot it from half field and hit like, hit like I kept like hooking the ball way left because the way my my football kicking is it just makes me hook a soccer ball now I used to be able to hit it on a rope but now it's now it hooked for whatever reason so finally I just like kicked it at the right pylon aimed it at the right pylon and the thing like started out there and just like kept hooking the whole way in and had like a nasty spin on it <laughs> for 90 and the goalie it went in and the goalie like tried to save it and it went over his head and all the super pumped. So we lost like nine to one, but. <laughs> so what is the difference between kicking a football and kicking a soccer ball? Like what is the difference in terms of like the mechanics or whatever? Cause I'm a dweeb and I need to like, know. I'd say the, the football has like a spot like that big that you gotta kick your, the bone on your like instep and a soccer ball. You can kick it on your toe. You can kick it on your, yeah. outside of your foot you can kick it on all different parts of the ball and it compresses no matter where you kick it whereas a football like you got to literally hit like that little size of a quarter um with your instep and if if you don't hit that the thing doesn't compress and it doesn't go anywhere yeah i, I went out with him a couple of weeks ago and we were just messing around bro <laughs> there's no way that you kick a football just no knowing the way <laughs> that's the thing they're so different i can't yeah, imagine that no there's chance. much overlap between no. like doing one versus I, the other i always felt though that montero would have been a good kicker yeah probably. yeah i always you felt can, you can hit exactly. like a good goal kick or like yeah. a, like you can you can probably do it yeah chad would be good i think learn yeah. I feel like for a soccer player, and we talked about earlier on the podcast, is that full volley that everyone yeah. wants to hit or half volley. Yeah. I feel like if someone snapped it, I'd want to hit it like as soon as it got in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As a kicker in the NFL, do they like do a lot of coaching with like the mental stuff? Because I feel like that's that position more than almost any position in sports. It's like so like, mental because like you said, you're just sitting on the sideline for most of the game and then you can't fail. So like, is there any like sort of coaching with your mentality with that or how did you deal with it yeah well the seahawks had a great um great uh, mental coach mike gervais uh who was there when, the whole time i was there and he was a great resource we we talked a lot and um just kind of you're just kind of like pulling apart your fears around the you know the worst and it's all just kind of mental mental stories that you make up around like what could happen or you know none of it none of it is even real that's the funny part about it you're just kind of making up stories around oh well like 
you know, if this happens and that happens, well, then this yeah. and, that and that happens. But it's like none of that's even happened. So a lot of it was just made up. And mm -hmm. a lot of it's just about calming the mind. And um, so you're scrapping yourself how to deal with failure before even the failure can yeah, happen. Yeah, right. Interesting. Right. It's crazy yeah. how, how mental it is. But you, just, you, just, you can't play the game from that place. You just have to get into your body and your heart and just like fill. And then find the flow and just like tick. You can put a little bit of mental energy into it, but if you're, and I, I spent times in my career where I was in my head totally like, yeah. you know, I'd get in like a little rut for a few weeks and try to work work it out by like just thinking, you know, like I'm sure golfers are the same way because you need it's such a balance. You need a little bit of mental energy in it to like fix some stuff in your swing or in your approach. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a wild job though it's like uh it's a lot like golf I'd say. I feel um, like uh, uh, yeah i'm curious and this is for everyone here probably there isn't a right answer and everyone will have a different take what is the most precious situation so zero nil nil champions league or world cup final you have a penalty kick super bowl tied game you have a field goal 50 yards to make or nba tied game you have and and one, I don't know. Like, which is pressure-wise, is it comparable, like a penalty shootout, to having to make the game-winning kick in overtime in the Super Bowl? I don't. I'm trying to figure out which one I feel. I think the kicking would be worse for me than a penalty shootout because at least the goalkeeper's there and say he made a great save. I don't know. You gotta take it, man. Like, if you if you miss, you gotta own that. That's one of the hardest parts. You're probably right. Yeah. There, yeah. In basketball, you got a defender in your face. Yeah. Uh, but if you're playing indoor in football, Super yeah, Bowl, it's all like, on. It's yeah. all on. <laughs> and even if and even if the snapper and holder kind of mess up a little bit, you still got to eat it. As a yeah. Kid. Totally. Um, so the, the other thing I'd say about that, though, is externally, like, things look like they have certain pressure, like watching a television game. You're watching a kicker you're seeing him line up for a big kick in a playoff game and you're like, Oh, that guy must be feeling a lot of pressure or something, but it's totally random. Like which kicks I actually felt pressure on and which ones I didn't. There were some kicks at the beginning of an un unimportant game. Like they're all important, but relatively at the beginning of the season where I'd feel more pressure, you know, it just kind of depends on your state at that time. And then there are other times when you'd be in an intense game at the end of the game with a game winning kick and you're just totally cool. Hmm. So crazy. That's crazy. About kind of your internal state. Yeah. So that reflects to post career then, because yeah. I think a lot of us feel pressure afterwards to yeah. form uh, for our families, things like that, which is interesting because you can, as an athlete, you've done these reps to prep yourself for yeah. an important game afterwards. Like, Oh, I got, I got to make this kick. And, trying to translate that mental state afterwards. It's like looking back on it now, it's like, Oh yeah, everything's cool. We, you know, I got, I got it taken care of. It'll, it'll work itself out. I think that that can translate, but you just have to put yourself into that like good mental state. But again, how do you do that as a normal human? Like we're still navigating that. Yeah. Well, I think I, the, the thing I feel about it, there's your body, you're competing through your body. Mm-hmm as a as an athlete and you're using your body like there's something very rewarding about using your body to go like make stuff happen out on the field like in the weight room all that now post football it's like you you got to kind of use your 
your mind yeah. make stuff happen hmm. yeah. yeah i feel like soft is a bit more primitive in that it kind of takes you back to our like human roots of chasing around an animal and yeah. tiring it out <laughs> board, but sitting on the sideline for a football kick is just like anxious you know yeah. like having to deal with that twisting your body in yeah. a certain exactly way. yeah but on, having... on a soccer field you're just like basically hunting as a group right yeah it is group yeah and then as a football, yeah, you have a team, but it's sometimes on an island. So just dealing with that mental pressure is just incredible. You know, obviously the Sounders have been successful. You were part of the Seahawks uh, when the Sounders and the Seahawks were under the same umbrella. But to you, you know, Buffalo wasn't good. And then you went there and you guys had a couple of successful years. Like being a part of a successful group, is it top down? Is it leadership? Is it culture? Is it keeping the spine? But to you, what does um, like a championship quality team or organization, uh, what, what does it entail to you? I think it's mojo. Mm. Um, I've seen all types of, all types of ways of getting it done. I mean, at, at the, at the most basic level, you need to have like a, a solid structure all the way throughout an organization. You need to have, um, great front office you need to have a great head coach and and good talent um, but then I think there's something to be said for you know just like the energy in the building the confidence of the guys you know why are they why are they playing are they are they just going to work and grinding and and hating life or are they like having fun there and mm -hmm. and showing that out on the field there's there's something to be said for that and like how the what's the culture of the organization essentially so the Sounders right now are, you know, this season have at one point fielded five teenagers, right? The first time any MLS team yeah. has done that. So you're talking, that's just mojo. Yeah, they've got swag. They've got so much swag right now. You can see it. I mean, the game, um, the game two nights ago when they scored, what, six goals? Yeah. Um, like all of them really nice goals too. <laughs> yeah, it's just impressive. And that's what happens when you have um, – a team that's having fun and they're just playing and I don't know. You don't know why is it's, you can try to unpack some of those things too. And it just, it's best when it happens organically and mm. it's hard to even explain. I'm curious also, every time I see Pete Carroll, he's bouncing around, he's chewing his gum, he's high-fiving people, he's yelling in people's faces, encouraging them. Was he always like that around the building? Was he always on? He just seemed like he's always on. He, he really is. He has a way of just with so much energy. I don't know where it comes from. Some people have more energy now and they're just, yeah. I think everyone's impressed with that. And that's why he's still going and still yeah. having fun with it. He's, he has a, I think he's a great example of somebody who's found a passion and just yeah. loves, loves what he does and yeah. not doing it for any other reason. Like obviously he wants to win and support his family and everything, but I think, he just really enjoys being out there more than anybody. Steve, yeah. I had a question for you and Keely. Yeah. Should I ask them? Of course. Okay, we were talking about it last night. We thought this was a great question. This is assuming that you think there's extraterrestrial life out there. Would you rather be able to time travel to any point in history on planet Earth, or would you rather be able to go see um intelligent life somewhere else in the universe if my safety could be guaranteed i'm going to see intelligent life safety's guaranteed yeah intelligent life 100 
I'm going to say the same thing, and that's because the butterfly effect is real, and I'm not messing with the, like, present day or whatever. Like, Back to the Future is a lie. Way more stuff would have been messed up. Like, I'm not playing that game, so I'm seeing the extraterrestrials. As long as the butterfly effect didn't take effect, uh. go back. Would you rather see, like, aliens than dinosaurs? Yeah. 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 I, I, what, what did Brad say? I said... I said uh, I would go back in time. Really? Wow. I mean, I already think that just the size of the universe, that there's got to be something out there. But I need, I need to see what went on back in the day. <laughs> reckless, man. That's just reckless. Five hours, but I'm going back in time. <laughs> he, he hasn't answered the question. I haven't answered. Um, and we still might be here for an hour and a half. <laughs> I like dinosaurs. I want to see the dinosaurs. Yeah, this will be podcast part two. We'll just like <laughs> do this show. for the whole thing. That's a great question. That's a great question. As always, guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Steve Hauschel for joining us. Um, side by side, myself, Brad Evans, Keely will be back next week. The Sound is trying to go three for three on the road this week as they go to Ohio, take on the Columbus Crew. 2.30, tune in on Fox, Big Fox, for 2.55 kickoff. And KC, Keller, and Keith Koshigan will have the radio call for the Sounders. Tune in. That's on KJR, yes? 97.3. Yes. KJR 97.3 this weekend. Hopefully the team goes free for free and then comes back to Seattle and we have a win to celebrate on next week's podcast. Like, subscribe, comment. Anyway, you get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Peace.